Hi, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of the new podcast. So we have a new brand, a new uh, title, and uh, an entirely new philosophy in the coming year that I want to talk to you about. I've been gone for some time, and, uh, and I want to chat with you about where I was, and I want to uh, chat with you about what happened last year because we're at the end of 2023, and it's a good time to look back. And, uh, and then ultimately, I want to talk to you a little bit about my predictions for the coming year and uh, and uh, maybe uh, look ahead into the future of blockchains. Uh, you know, I've been around this space for a very long time, 30,000 tweets and so on. And my record is pretty darn good on uh, predicting what will happen. So, uh, so let me share with you. And I do believe very strongly that professors must profess. The word profess, I actually didn't know for the longest time what it meant. It means to take a public stance to stand up for an idea and to say, this is the way things ought to be. And, uh, and many people, a lot of scientists and a lot of academics just run away from this. This is their job and they don't do it. It's dangerous, it's risky, you might be wrong. And these are typically very fragile egos who can't handle it. So I, I, I don't mind and uh, don't mind being on the record, making some predictions. And then a year from now, we can look back and, and judge how well I did. So. Let's uh, let's get into uh, to sort of where we are, where what's going on. Oh no, this is uh, this is the new branding for the podcast. It's on chain with Cyber, and uh, uh, so if you want to sign up for it, if you want to subscribe to it in your podcast, whatever listening app, uh, whatever that might be, uh, so uh, you know, feel free to do so. That would be awesome. It's going to be a regular thing that I hold, just like in the good old days. I was gone this summer. I was gone starting at the end of June uh, until this episode, which is now at the end of April. So uh, it's, uh, it's uh, you know, I try to keep my personal life generally out of the public eye, uh, but, uh, but I think I do have to, I, I owe you an explanation. And what happened was that, uh, that I had a family mem member who was very sick. Uh, it was my dad, and uh, he had been suffering from cancer for a, for a very long time. And... Uh, and uh, ultimately, I got uh, the news at the end of June that he was very, very sick. So I flew back uh, to be with him and uh, to help him. And uh, it's, uh, I'm, I'm really happy that I did. Uh, it's, it's, those moments were precious. And um, ultimately, he passed away at the end of August. And um, it's, been, uh, it's been, of course, very, very difficult. I discovered, of course, this is a very unpleasant topic. Nobody wants to think about this. Um, but, uh, but it is an important one. And, uh, and I discovered along the way that, uh, that, that you know, 90% of the people out there have no idea what uh, sort of cancer feels like or what it means. Uh, we've all read these obituaries that say things like, you know, so-and-so passed away after a long battle with cancer. Um, I had no idea. And um, when I talk about what happened, I, I discovered that, you know, 10% of the people out there have a very good idea for for very sad reasons, of course, that they they themselves went through something like that, and uh, and it's really really devastating. So those battles are are incredibly hard. Um, they're obviously incredibly hard for the patient. I have, you know, I can't fathom what the patient is going through. Um, but it's also very very hard for the people around them. It's just a, a very emotional up and down and up and down kind of an episode, and uh, very very difficult. Uh, uh, times uh, that that were very trying, and, and you know, I thought I'd been through some some mental stress and physical stress in my life, but this I was I was not prepared for anything like this. Um, 
I'm proud to say that uh, that uh, that he, uh, he he was courageous and uh, lived a very good life. We saw a lot of amazing things in his time. Uh, he was a diehard Avalanche Maxi, and um, and uh, and was a, was a role model for me uh, personally. And um, I learned a lot. And those couple couple months, especially at the end, uh, were um, uh, were incredibly as trying as they were. They were also just as as rewarding every day. I had, uh, you know, a couple of moments where we actually connected heart to heart. Moments of lucidity when we had great conversations. So, um, uh, so anyway, um, I'm not going to dwell on this too too much. But uh, I know that there are quite a few of you out there listening who are going through a similar process. My heart is with you. This is a a terrible terrible illness, uh, and uh, and I hope uh, we're going to get back to it at the end of the show. But uh, I want to talk about. Uh, about longevity and and I, I want to talk to you about uh, what we need to be doing to to address this but it's it's uh, it's a terrible illness and uh, I, I wish anyone who's going through this all the best um, so uh, so yes yeah, so those of you who sort of uh, know you know have been following the the yeah, podcast know that I was traveling quite a bit and in fact there were some questions uh, every now and then like what do you do for fun and you know, um, until a few years ago, I had answers to that question. And uh, but recently, I don't know if you guys noticed, I, I took that question from someone and I really didn't have an answer. You know, what I do is I just travel. I travel to family uh, who needs me. And, um, and so that's kind of what I've been doing for the last couple of years. And uh, and, and uh, it was it was wonderful that I'm very proud that I did. I'm very lucky that I, I managed to do that. Uh, it was a little taxing during the pandemic, uh, but uh, but it was great. So um, let's move on. Um, I am. It takes a while to recover from a, from a blow like that one, and um, but I'm back, and uh, and I'm really proud to be back. I'm really happy to be back. I really missed our conversations. I really missed the live show. Um, I still have dreams where I actually teach courses, and um, and uh, you know, in lieu of that, I think these podcasts have I've been like that's been like sort of my my substitute uh, treatment for 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 lectures has been this podcast. Um, I really enjoy it, and I really miss it when we don't have our chat. And uh, I hope to have some Q&A, open Q&A at the end, so we can have some free discussion time. So uh, let's move on. And uh, so this is our sort of, uh, let me see, this is our branding for the new podcast. Um, and uh, and so I'm going to try to hold it uh, uh, weekly going forward. I will try to hold it with more guests. We had a few guests in the past. I'll try to bring on quite a few more. Uh, and um, uh, so, uh, you know, we had uh, uh, we had some really wonderful people. We had a couple of Dexalat folks. We had Pog from uh, Alva Labs, uh, from the platform team um, previously on the show. But going forward, um, I very much look forward to bringing DAP developers from the Avalanche community, uh, DAP developers from other communities to hear and learn from them as well as researchers. And on that front, I'm going to bring some of the best of the best. Uh, Tim Rafgarden is going to be on the next show, um, and uh, he is—he was a professor at Stanford, recently moved to Columbia, and then uh, is now doing this uh, this thing where he is leading the uh, the crypto research team at Anderson Horowitz. So um, I'll talk to him about a whole bunch of things he worked on. He's worked on a huge swath of uh, game theoretic mechanism design type things that pertain to uh, to uh, to blockchains. 
So that's going to be fun. And um, I'll try to bring in other people as well, people who are less academic. So uh, inscriptors and so on. And uh, we can talk about all the things that are sort of top of mind for all of us. And I know, let me say this, I do know about the high fees. I have heard, yes. In fact, I saw them firsthand. Yes, I monitor. You don't have to come in and DM me on every, on every venue. I am well aware of the fee spike. The fee spikes themselves are healthy and good. Uh, they will happen when uh, there's something unexpected happens and there's high demand for space. That's just what they are. Uh, it's what you do in response that shows uh, uh, that that shows who you are and what you what you value. And um, I am working incredibly hard to address the fee spike, uh, as are a bunch of other people I know who are platform engineers or uh, architects or um, mechanism design folks, etc. There's a lot to be done. Um, also, there's a bunch of stuff that's happening at the periphery and the wallet, as well as the fee estimation side. Uh, there's a lot that we can be doing to bring the fees down. We had a chat today. This is my second second chat, if you will, uh, today. We had an hour and 15 minute long conversation with the platform team members focusing solely on inscriptions and, and discussing in depth what one can do at a technical level. I will say this, it is not a simple problem. It's not simple at all within the confines of the EVM. Now, if you don't have the EVM confines, then you know you can just discard data, which is what some, some chains have chosen to do. You discard data, you break that contract essentially with the programmers. Uh, you have a less versatile platform, uh, but you know maybe no one's going to notice, and, uh, and maybe no one really needs historical data, right? The inscription data, you know, it's the indexers are indexing it, and if you trust the indexer, then you don't need it on chain. So that's essentially what's going on on, the, on those systems. They're forcing you to have to go through the indexer. So um, uh, so one could do that, and uh, uh, we'll see. And that everything's on the table. Everything is on the table to bring the, uh, the, the impact of inscriptions under control. On the positive side, I will also say this, uh, our aggregate throughput was as high as 9,600 TPS and um, uh, realized not bogus made up numbers and a benchmark, but actually realized numbers. And uh, our single chain transactions per second was about nine, 977 TPS on the C chain, uh, which is incredibly high as well. So I'm really proud of those. That's the peak. Sustained was 600 TPS. These are all very high numbers. We are achieving them with very high reliability and uh, very low time to latency. So those are all pretty darn good things. Uh, but I don't want the fees to spike. And so we'll get those fees in check. Um, this is not the first time I've, our fees spiked. I think this has happened twice before, if I'm not mistaken. And in both cases, we went back and uh, we made some changes and adjustments to the underlying platform to make them uh, to make those spikes go away, to give you the platform that you know and love. So, all right, so with that said, let's go, uh, let's jump ahead. Let's talk a little bit about where we are today and um, and uh, you know what happened in 2023 at least as best as i can remember it uh there's so many there are so many things that happened last year and um uh and my memory of course is a little hazy uh given how tired i was for for half the year and how um you know what i had to do for half the year but uh but let's let's kind of go through it there's some really 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 awesome things that happened this year uh, one of the, let me see, one of the big, big events, big things that uh, we unveiled uh, from Ava Labs is this thing called Ava Cloud. What is Ava Cloud? Ava Cloud is a turnkey solution for people who want to create their own blockchain, 
So if you want to have your own blockchain today, you can come and uh, use the AvaCloud tooling. And uh, within about a day, you will have everything you might need. That is a platform that runs a, um, uh, with decentralized validators uh, that is going to be resilient to failures. Um, then in addition to uh, a wallet that goes with your chain, uh, in addition to um, an explorer that uh, displays everything that's happening on your chain. So that's a pretty sweet ecosystem to tap into. We have gotten a lot of pull for the AvaCloud solution from people who want to start their own chains. Some of them are people who want to create their own virtual assets in a brand new universe of their own creation. Some of them are people with actual existing assets, uh, very valuable ones that we'll talk about in a second, that want to bring them onto a chain so that they have the benefits of, of, uh, of a blockchain uh, while they also comply with uh, compliance re restrictions. So that's all happening on AvaCloud. I don't know of anybody else who has a solution like this. And, uh, and I don't know of any other chain that has uh, uh, even uh, the first inkling of a clue that uh, points them in this direction. This is what we set out to do. We were one of the first people to say there is a lot of value out there and the way to tap it is to put it on chain, give it broader reach and to open it up to the world in a manner that is compliant for the asset owner or issuer. So uh, uh, the one chain that is years ahead of all others is Avalanche on this front. And I'm really proud of where we are. And uh, also looking back, um, you know, this subnet idea has been incredibly resilient. You heard me talk about it five years ago, maybe more, maybe six years ago. And I'm still talking about it and it's actually working. We're not constantly promising something to you. We're not, you know, saying, oh, you know, the Avalanche uh, community will come up with this, that, and the other. No, this stuff works. It's here, it's now. And, uh, and it's not like we need, you know, we don't need to uh, invent some new crypto. We're not promising some moon math. I think the days of moon math garnering attention are over. I hope they are. I'm very good with moon math, but I want those days to be gone. That is a sign of immaturity. That is a sign that, uh, that, uh, that whoever is pushing the moon math lacks the ability to deliver something that, that actually works today. So, you know, you've heard VDFs, you've heard VRFs, you've heard accumulators, all these shiny tools that plasma chains and so forth. All these things were supposed to come and save the day. None of them materialized except the subnets are here to stay. They are here, they're proven people are coming to us. And I'm really proud of this fact. Our approach to scalability has been borne out. It's practical, it works. So AvaCloud is uh, the, the primary means by which people tap into it. And it's really nice to see. Of course, you don't need it. You can start your own chain right now. And uh, there is uh, nothing to, in your path. And in fact, there is no one who can stop you. You can create your own chain just by paying the, the, the fee. And it's not even that onerous. Uh, the validator fees might be, uh, might be an issue, but that's also being addressed by ACP 13, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, oh, that's something that happened. We now have uh, the uh, Avalanche community uh, proposals. Uh, which are the uh, the the, uh, the Avalanche Foundation uh, uh, mechanism for people to propose ideas, and there's rigorous discussion going on. I think we've hit about a hundred, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, the discussion is incredibly high quality, and it's wonderful to see. and uh, And I cannot wait to see what comes out of those pro that process um, that uh, that we then 
embed in all of our validators and then build into our systems as a community. Okay, next thing that happened, Hyper SDK. So this is a new SDK that allows anybody to start their own uh, high-performance virtual machine. It's, um, it's really easy to customize and you can build all sorts of cool things. Do you want to build a chain for inscriptions only? That's something that's very high on my mind. Uh, then you can do this with Hyper SDK. You would you wouldn't need most of the stuff that uh, that people do in a regular uh, you know general purpose smart contracting platform. Uh, you might want to have some of the basics, uh, but uh, but you can speed it up so much that uh, you can get in insane amounts of scale for for inscriptions, and it's totally doable, fairly fairly within reach. So. Um, do you want to build a data availability layer? Totally doable. Do you want to build a Do you want to build a decentralized sequencer for layer two solutions for Ethereum on Avalanche? Totally doable. In fact, there's a there is a there is a there's a project doing exactly that. So all of these are possible because Hyper SDK is uh, incredibly versatile and um, and incredibly customizable. In general, I think you will find time and time again that there's a big difference between the avalanche approach to life and, and essentially almost all the other projects. So almost all the other projects, they come from an opinionated point of view. They tell you that, you know, you should be doing X. You should not be doing X. You know, for example, the Bitcoiners, they're telling you, you should not be doing inscriptions, right? There is a, there's a bunch of people on, in that community who are like, I shall censor you if you do blah, blah, blah. And uh, they're opinionated. On Ethereum, there's only one way to, to scale. And that's the way that's been sort of anointed by the, the powers that be there. And uh, that's, that's the only thing they want to hear. They don't, they're not open to other suggestions. In Avalanche, there are a couple of sort of meta level things that really define us. One of them is that we bring the best of science to blockchains that you need. Another one is that we're not opinionated. We give you basic building blocks. So I get a bunch of different questions like, how does, how does the avalanche approach compare to layer twos? It's a question I get a lot. The answer is simple. Those two things are not comparable. Layer two is an architecture. It's a particular way of doing something. It's like saying, you shall build buildings and they will look Gothic, right? They'll have high arches and goblins and this and that, because that's the way we like it. The doors better be hefty and big. That's what they like. Avalanche's subnets are like, bricks and concrete, okay, they're lower level of abstraction, they're customizable. You can build Gothic with brick, you can build Gothic with concrete, but you can also build Bauhaus, you can also build Brutalist, you can also build Modern, you can, the, the world is yours to, to, to build. So we are not opinionated, we don't force those decisions on you. And there, there are other chains, there are other systems that are multi-chain like, there are very few, multi-chain like Avalanche, they also force you, they're like, you can build whatever you like as long as you go through this particular gate where you pay with our little token. Avalanche doesn't even do that. It is literally the lowest level decentralized toolkit that is that gives you the tools you need to build whatever you might want to. So I'm really proud of this. Hyper SDK is a key part of it. Hyper VM is an exemplar of this. And, uh, and there's so much more fun to be had. Uh, and uh, Patrick O'Grady earlier this afternoon was dropping some alpha about some of the tools that he was working on using uh, using this stuff. So uh, so check that out if you're interested. So next, oh this this announcement got a lot of people's attention. Uh, I'd been talking to you for a very long time about institutional adoption. I think many of you know that I'm located in smack middle of New York City, 
uh, for a reason, and that is not to pay those high taxes just for the fun of it, but it is to uh, to pay them because and lovingly because uh, we are in the business of connecting to the world's financial centers. That's why we're here. Uh, we are here to allow everybody else who came before us to taste blockchain goodness. We're not here just to do our thing and disappear whenever the tokens run out. There's plenty of people like that. Um, we're here to bring this technology to the masses. And so, um, so to that end, I'd been talking to a huge number of players on Wall Street. And uh, this is one of the, the outcomes of this. So uh, Apollo and, um, and uh, JP Morgan uh, have, been, uh, uh, have chosen Avalanche for their Onyx uh, project. And I could not be more proud. This is um, expected to bring, I think, on, if I'm not mistaken, I could be mistaken, but the number I remember is something about 10 to $15 billion per day of transactions on Onyx are expected in, uh, in a number of years. And, uh, and the chain that will bring that to you is, uh, is, a, is a subnet on Avalanche. And I'm really, really excited about what's being built here. Let's see. So shortly after this announcement, came this other one. And this is the city announcement. Um, and once again, they uh, they decided to partner and choose, they chose Avalanche. And there's like this whole hashtag chose Avalanche uh, that you can take a look at on Twitter for all the other uh, players that I'm, I won't be able to mention today because I, A, I don't remember them and B, there are too many of them. It's gonna be a very long laundry list and I don't wanna bore you. I wanna take the Q and A. Let's go through the rest of this fast. I'm thrilled about city as well. These are really large asset holders. And they're coming into crypto. They took a brief break, maybe after the whole uh, meltdown that we had when FTX uh, went uh, went kind of south, uh, so to speak. But uh, but they're back, and they now understand the uh, the value proposition. I no longer have to explain what the token is to anybody I meet uh, in 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 the finance industry. They all know. They all understand the value prop, and it's very clear to everyone that come ten years, uh, this is going to be the rail that everybody um, uh, relies on. Oh, um, another hashtag chose Avalanche. Amazon chose Avalanche to bring uh, blockchain solutions to enterprises and governments. So we were very proud of this. This felt feels like a long time ago. Um, and I can't really remember. I think it was in the early parts of 2023 that Amazon uh, announced this. So uh, there's so much to say. I said it a while ago when it was announced. I think the takeaway that's that sort of endures is I really look up to AWS folks. Um, they know how to build large-scale distributed systems. They are technically savvy like nobody else uh, on uh, on the planet, and uh, and so they understand the technology. Our conversations with them were highly technical and uh, and incredibly rewarding. And you know, after a lot of consideration, they they uh, they came to see that there was one chain that. Was you know had a narrative that was internally coherent, whose technology matched this narrative, that uh, that they saw as the likely leader of uh, tokenization and blockchain deployment by enterprises and governments. That's why they were the they chose Avalanche. They were the uh, they, they Avalanche was the first uh, choice for them. Another uh, big partnership happened last year. This was SK Planet. Uh, SK Planet is part of the SK conglomerate from South Korea, and they have about 30 million users. Uh, they uh, that who who all get paid in these tokens that you can use at about 200 or maybe 300,000 
um, merchants. So those are 200,000 to 300,000 merchants in Korea. So, um, uh, so they have quite a few users. All of their users are KYC AML. So um, in a bull market, you know, stuff happens. Uh, everybody makes a lot of noise, et cetera, et cetera. This is bear market activities. In the depths of the bear market, they deployed and, um, and, uh, and they got their, uh, their users to be using this blockchain solution for their points tracking, for their loyalty points. And this has been an amazing, amazing North Star, especially in Southeast Asia. Everybody knows Escape Planet. And if you say, look, the stuff, it just works for them. Go talk to them. Uh, and that's, that's incredibly powerful. Uh, so not that many other chains can say this. Right. Um, and uh, and by the way, the Escape Planet subnet, independent of C-Chain. So the C-Chain fee spike that everybody's complaining about, none of those people are feeling it. They're just happy as clams doing their daily payments and so on. They're completely shielded. The subnet architecture works. I told you this. I told you this three years ago when there was no, you know, there weren't really any subnets in sight. And, uh, and now I'm telling you this again, except this time, I'm, I'm incredibly proud because we were, uh, everything we said what has been born now. So there is more to come. Uh, there's Merit Circle. So um, they are building on, uh, on, on, on something called Beam, which is a, uh, a studio-wide subnet for a set of games from Merit Circle. So that way you have one chain to rule them all for a set of games developed by the same, same studio. And uh, it's an intriguing world. So your progress in one game or your items from one game can be carried over to another. And that's a pretty fascinating situation to be in. I know I've wasted a crap ton of time on, uh, on little games here and there uh, where I played them and then you know, there was nowhere to go, right? Um, you know, uh, now you, you guys are gonna ask me which games I played and uh, you know, started with Zork, how about that? I will date myself by mentioning that my favorite game, one of my favorite games of all time was Zork on the Commodore 64. Uh, obviously I lost all my progress there and I would have loved it if I could carry some of those items that I picked up in Zork into another universe. Um, anyway, all, all BS aside, what I would really have liked is, uh, is a set of games that, that work in tandem, where when you go into the game ecosystem, you have some, some assurance that no matter what happens to the game creator, that your assets are yours and, um, and you can carry them from one game to the other. And uh, something not explored yet by the world at large, but is soon to be explored, is uh, this, this, this sort of third parties who can build on subnets like this. So Merit Circle starts out, I think their idea is they're going to have all their games use this subnet, but there's no reason why they wouldn't want to open that up to other companies. And there are lots of different economic models for this. So perhaps uh, you know, in a universe where the items you pick up are code snippets, right? There's a, a sword you picked up with a particular damage uh, algorithm that's encoded in the, in the, on the chain. Um, that there's no reason why people could not come in with their own, uh, own uh, third-party extensions. This is kind of like uh, you know, the uh, multi, uh, multi, uh, uh, multiplayer online games that were extensible. And some of you might remember there were a bunch of games that were extensible using the Lua language, which is a safe language. Uh, where people would craft their own swords, their own this and that. Um, you know, obviously, if you do this willy-nilly, I would create like the nuclear bomb, kill everybody except myself. But there are restrictions. So if you make the sword 
uh, deliver a lot of damage, then it becomes really heavy or something like that. Right? There, there are limits, so you can't build uh, the, the one, 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 one weapon to kill them all. Um, it's a really exciting world, right? So third parties can extend the game as you go along. I think about Minecraft on steroids, where people come up with their own creations subject to some constraints of the, of the gaming universe. And so there's a thriving economy that can be built up. All of that is coming. All of that is coming. It's in, inescapable, and it's going to happen on the chains that give you performance isolation, that give you speed, uh, very, very quick finality. And I, I know of only one chain that gives you this. Or rather, I shouldn't say chain. Only one system that gives you this, and that is Avalanche and its uh, its uh, subchains, subnets. All right. Oh, let's talk about this. So what else happened? So off the grid is coming. This game is insane. At some point last uh, last uh, spring, they invited me out to their studios in Frankfurt. I went there. They made me wear some funky outfit, and um, and uh, and then they have like this face scanner, so it like it uh, it it records a three D uh, map of your face and your little nuances and so on as you as you move your face. And uh, they recorded me, so I'm an NPC in this game, and uh, I look, I, I do this in this game exactly this this look. So I do this. And I go, do you know who I am? And that's my signature line. And then I say, I was there when we invented the future. So check that guy out. Uh, you can empty a whole clip into his forehead if you don't like him or if you don't like the fees or whatnot. If you think he's uh, slacking and, and not working, it's not deving enough. So, uh, so that's possible. But I am an NPC in this game. Uh, but while I was there, I did a whole bunch of things. I had never seen a AAA studio before. So I met, for example, with the uh, weapons designers. And in fact, it's the team that, uh, that gave you uh, uh, Call of Duty. And there are these, these are amazing people. They live and breathe guns. This game is all about guns. It's by Gunzilla. And um, uh, the, uh, the token that powers the game is called Gun. has no relation to my name. It's all about guns. Uh, it's a bizarro universe, um, very uh, dystopian. Uh, there's a lot of dirt and rust. There's a lot of modern architecture. It was amazing. And the whole time I was running around there, I was thinking, why would anyone be an architect, a regular real-life architect, when one can be a game architect, when, when you can design buildings devoid of physical constraints? Because these guys had designed some amazing, beautiful buildings. And this, this landscape was so fantastic, so great to walk in. And, um, and I played the game for about 20 minutes. And, uh, and uh, so what happened at the end of 20 minutes? I was addicted at the end of 20 minutes. I, I am literally addicted. In the same way, I have a map of New York in my head, a map of Seattle, a map of San Francisco, et cetera, et cetera. I now have a map of that city over there in that game. And uh, every now and then I feel like a, a huge urge to go back there. It's just, it pulls you. It's so well done. The dirt, the grime, the people, the conversations. It's amazing. You have to check it out. Um, I just love this game. I'm going to buy a whole gaming setup as soon as this game comes up. And um, and so I can't wait. And another cool thing about this game is that most of the people in this universe have, uh, I think, voluntarily cut off their arms and, and legs. So they have these mech, mech, uh, mech legs and mech arms. And if you kill someone, you can steal their, uh, their, uh, their arms and plug them into your, you know, you throw your old arm out and you put your new arm in. And, uh, and then there's a secondary market for arms and legs and, and weapons and, 
and of course guns and shields and so forth. It's a fascinating game. Can't wait to see it. Can't wait to play it. I, I'm dying to go back to that universe. And uh, do I have an addictive personality? No, I don't know. I, I'm, a, I'm a very single-minded person. Go full in and something got triggered in me. And, uh, you know, last time I was this, uh, you know, this, uh, uh, you know, this crazy about the game. I don't know what it was. Boulder Dash, Frogger, you know, back in those days or something. You know, when I was a teenager and, and those games were really addictive then. And uh, then I normally don't play games, but this one is insanely cool. Um, TSM's coming up, and uh, this is an eSports platform. They're on Avalanche, and uh, they will have their own subnet for keeping tabs on scores, on loyalty points, on what you do across games, and on streams and so forth. So very excited about this. Very much looking forward to them. Um, next is Shrapnel. I played this game as well. This is also incredibly fun. It's kind of like Call of Duty, and um, and I kept getting uh, I kept getting slaughtered, and I don't know who was doing that because it was at the conference. Um, I forget where it was. I think it was at Consensus. It wasn't an Avalanche conference, so it was like you know the world at large. Everyone's playing it. They gave me a station, so I was playing it, and uh, people kept sniping on me when I was hiding behind this truck, and um, it was uh, it was really fun. I got my butt handed to me in this game it's a fun game really really cool and uh check it out it's call of duty plus plus and um and it's got some some really fascinating uh gameplay i think this is all real engine 5 i think is the uh the game engine it's beautiful it's well done and um, the sound and like the audiovisual sort of interaction it's really really nice it like it gets you in the game and uh, and i wish i'd made a bit more progress but you know you guys are too good you kept sniping on me and and kept, kept me from seeing more of that universe, but it was really cool. I'll have to go in with the guild. I'll have to uh, organize something uh, with Kevin and, and, and a couple of other people from, uh, from the Avalanche community. So, so I have my, my back covered as, uh, as we move in as a, as a, as a squad. So um, next, Alva Sands happened. So uh, this is a long story. I'll make it short. Um, we were late to the uh, NFT, NFT game. Um, why were we late to the NFT game? For a bunch of reasons uh, as a community. I think people were a little cautious. Um, we weren't really sure what, what NFTs were going to be useful for. Um, there were a bunch of things that we talked about, which is use of NFTs as credentials. And, uh, and that's coming. That's definitely coming. NFT ticketing is happening, and it's happening on Avalanche. I don't have a slide on this, but there are some people who are already already selling NFTs that you can show at the door and it gets you into, into EDM concerts in Europe. Uh, so, uh, so that's already happening and I'm really happy about that. But, um, uh, but I think one, one thing that maybe we did miss last year was, or maybe the year before actually, was uh, the potential use of NFTs as a credential online. So PFPs, right? It's a lot of people are still sort of flummoxed about why people buy these like really expensive monkey pictures. They are really, uh, they're really a show of your bling. Uh, it's kind of like buying a, whatever it is that people buy, Balenciaga, you know, or whatever. It's like one of those like super expensive, uh, uh, super expensive handbags that women buy, or whatever it is. Um, a Birkin, I guess this is what it is. So um, uh, those things, they are, um, they're the equivalent online, right? You flash your PFP, it shows that you had disposable income that you could you could uh, you could spend on a, on a monkey picture, and um, so that's a different kind of credential. And um, 
And so we hadn't encouraged this. We, we mean, I hadn't encouraged uh, that uh, that use of N NFTs. And um, and it's uh, it's in retrospect, uh, we were trailing behind as an NFT community. In 2023, that changed with Avasans. That changed. We brought in some uh, amazing people into our community, amazing creators into our community, and um, in addition, we got the hyperspace marketplace, uh, which created a lot of excitement. And now there's a thriving, thriving NFT scene on Avalanche. Dokyo is, I think, uh, the highest ranking or has been the highest ranking NFT issue that I am aware of. There might be others. If I omit yours, don't get upset at me. But uh, but we've had some really great NFT issuances on top of us. We've had some really great NFT communities form on top of Avalanche. And uh, and it's going to continue. So Avalanche is, uh, is going to, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, the foundation ended up uh, spending a lot of, uh, money on not spending, allocating a lot of money to Avosans. And we're only, only dipped into that a tiny bit. And this is how far we came with that uh, tiny bit of uh, of incentive programs uh, for uh, for NFTs on Avalanche. Um, and so let me wrap up. I, I really want to take questions at the end. Uh, let me wrap up by, by mentioning that which I am most proud of. Or something like that. That of which I am most proud. That that's probably more more correct. Um, which is our community. I'm super super proud of our community. I'm super proud of what we built, and we ended up having some fantastic events this year. We had the summit in Barcelona for the second time, and um, it was during the depths of a of a of a bear market. Uh, we ended up attracting I think around three thousand or so, maybe more three thousand five hundred ish uh, or so people. Uh, to the summit, um, and um, and it was it was amazing. And every summit has been literally the best conference I've ever attended. And I've been attending conferences since I've I've been since I was 21. Right. So for I've been to a gazillion academic conferences. I've lost track. You know, I have so many conference badges somewhere in this house. So um, uh, so in all of my time, I never saw this mix of technical stuff happening at the same time as. Uh, as a, as product discussion, as market fit discussion, as regulatory discussion, and uh, and then there is of course VCs and sort of commercial interests as well. But it's just at the right right mix, I would say, uh, for the last two years. And uh, the the quality of the conversations has been amazing. It's not overrun at all uh, by um, by just people with short term interests. It's such a wonderful thing. If you know, you know. If you don't know, it's going to sound like this is yet another conference. And so it's it's after people attend their first Avalanche event that they realize, oh, hey, this is different. And, uh, and I think that's going to be another meta theme, right? Avalanche stands apart. We are not the same. There are a bunch of coin projects. They all copycat from each other. They copycat from us, but badly. And... Um, and so, uh, so we stand apart, and, and this is one of the ways in which we stand apart with our community. Anyhow, the summit was fantastic in Barcelona. We also held uh, avalanche houses in Seoul in, uh, in, uh, in Istanbul recently. I was there at that one. Uh, there are a couple of others that, uh, that escaped me at the moment, but uh, we had about five or six avalanche houses this year, and uh, we're going to continue that. And... Um, and uh, hopefully branch out into uh, locales that we have not been to. Uh, the next summit is not going to be in Barcelona. It's not going to be in Europe. Um, so I'm not sure where it's going to be. The events team is still scouting. 
and uh, we are looking at early fall for uh, for the summit date. So it's not going to be in the spring. We're going to move it around. And uh, so, so, you know, there have been a bunch of places mentioned online. So uh, South America is one of them. Southeast Asia is one of them. And there are many other locations that we are look, looking into, uh, into, into going to. And uh, I hope you'll join us there in person. Nothing like seeing people. I love the summits. I lose my voice at the end. It takes me two, two three weeks to get my voice back after every summit. It's uh, kind of taxing physically, but it's so, so fun. It's just so amazing to see everybody in the same place. It's so amazing to be intellectually stimulated by whatever it is that people are building, hearing all about it, and, and also making, you know, forging personal connections. So um, so let's, uh, let's wrap up. Oh, uh, looking ahead. So let's talk a little bit about looking ahead. Shall we talk a little bit about my predictions? Let's do. Um, you know, so... I just kind of sort of wrote out a whole bunch of ideas, loose ideas based on questions I get a lot. So um, I have the dubious distinction of having called exact price at which uh, Bitcoin would peak in the last cycle. I said 65,000. I think it went up to 69. So um, uh, so I was not, I'm not a trader. I was just kind of you know going by what I was seeing. Um, we also have the dubious distinction, not so dubious, actually very, very good distinction of having ushered in the last bull market. So the avalanche uh, public sale started um, the, uh, the, uh, what followed, which was uh, this uh, insane uh, excitement around coins. So what do I think? I think, I think this is, uh, we're in a very, very good time. Um, you know, it's, I don't know what's gonna happen in the next year, no one does, uh, but I can tell you in the next three years, this area is going to explode with activity. I'm not talking about prices. People usually talk about price. I don't know about bull, bull price, bear price, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but here are the things I do know. I do know that institutions are here to stay. I know that I don't have to convince them anymore. They, they are in, they want to be in. Um, look at the people trying to issue ETFs, right? So, uh, so that's really, really fantastic to see. Um, so, uh, so next, uh, look at uh, look at the regulatory uh, appetite and the regulatory environment. We're getting better and better clarity, and uh, and I don't I don't like it when when people in our community bash regulators left and right. These are very hardworking people trying to curtail bad activities in this space, and we all know that there are some bad actors in this space. So. Um, uh, and but it's been difficult to to gauge where the regulators are going to go for a very long time. But we're getting more and more clarity, and it's wonderful to see that. So um, that clarity exists in some countries, in some jurisdictions. They're far ahead of the U.S. Korea is one of them. That's why there's so much excitement around coin uh, coin based solutions in Korea. Uh, Japan is another one. Uh, Switzerland, uh, England, and 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 uh, the European Union are getting there. Mica is about to go into effect next spring. So these are all going to make it a lot easier because they provide to founders the clarity and assurance that they need to uh, to sort of stay on the rails and do a compliant issuance of coins or a compliant solution based on a blockchain. So this is stuff that the uh, that uh, that the world needs at large needs. Um, so I play a role on the on the technical advisory board for the CFTC in the United States. And uh, it's been wonderful to talk to, to regulators and to, uh, to inform them of what's coming down the pipeline. It's been wonderful to learn about their concerns 
And let me assure you that the regulators are very sophisticated and they understand the importance of this area. Yes, even those that you are thinking about, even they understand the, uh, the importance of this area. So um, it's, it's preordained, I think, that we will have clarity because that's what regulators do. They bring clarity. And, and it's not going to be just one giant. Uh, it's just, the area is too, too big. A any politician who thought she or he could shut down this area, they miscalculated. The area by now is too, too big. So um, I think we're on the cusp of the, uh, the next wave of adoption and the next wave of expansion. And, uh, uh, and so, um, and after that, I think we're going to see uh, quite a bit of, uh, of, uh, of regulatory involvement. And, uh, and one of the challenges is gonna be, of course, the big, big boys will move in. And by big boys, I mean the Wall Street firms. So, uh, um, so when they move in, and I use the term big boys because essentially all, well, whatever it is, it's, 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 it's Wall Street. So, um, uh, so when they move in, uh, the question is, what role will there be for these existing systems, right? So what role is there for, uh, you know, some uh, moon math spouting, you know, coin person um, in a universe where BlackRock is, uh, is creating its own chain? And that's really the question to ask. Which, which systems and which infrastructure is best poised to take that over? It's not going to be the case that these folks are going to go and say, oh, hey, let's just, you know, issue inscriptions on Bitcoin. They're not going to do that. Um, they're not, in my opinion, they're not going to say, let's just use this existing network, blah, blah, blah. What they will end up doing is they will need their own custom solutions. And so the system that supports that customization is kind of like the enabler. It's kind of like that Ethernet hub that you bought into your home, the very first one, or the very first ethernet router at your university. So they bring that in and, uh, and those things connect to each other. They, they take only a certain kind of cable and uh, they create a mesh. And then suddenly you have an enormous network of value that's coming. And, uh, and I think Avalanche is incredibly well poised based on, on uh, the way it's structured itself. Oh, there are some people who are going to be talking about the halvening. So uh, there is this perception that the halvening has always meant that there's a, there's a big run-up in prices of Bitcoin, which that means a run-up in prices of other coins. I don't know about this one. And um, in the past, all the halvenings also coincided with uh, easing of the monetary policy. And uh, so, uh, so there's no reason why this halvening will coincide with that. Um, but as luck might have it, uh, the things that are happening independently at the Fed and the things that are happening at, at the halvening and on Bitcoin might coincide again, kind of like, you know, Beatles songs and, and sunspots. These things, uh, you know, just they, they seem to be almost correlated. So it's going to be interesting to see if the halvening ends up having the effect that a lot of people predict it will. Okay, let me go forward uh, further. Inscriptions and ordinals. How long will this craze continue? Is it, a, is, it a, a, is it the next blue chip or is it a fad? Uh, it's really, really interesting. I want to dedicate a whole show to this, a whole discussion. Um, I do think that we are in, a, in an inscription-heavy uh, frenzy right now. Um, I will say this. The way inscriptions are structured, uh, the way they operate today is a step away from crypto principles. 
So they typically don't use the validator set and they don't use the state on the blockchain, the actual active state, to maintain their balances. They make the inscription on the chain in the, in the lightest manner possible. They use an external indexer to keep track of who minted what, who made which inscription. And then that trusted indexer then becomes uh, the account balance maintainer for their system. So, uh, so that's kind of odd. That's, that's a step away from what we wanted to build, we, what we all set out to build. By we, I mean the crypto community at large. So, um, so that's, that's a bit weird, and that's going to lead to a lot of inscription drama that hasn't happened yet. It was probably brewing. Uh, rug pulls, changes, you know, the indexer operator could easily falsify balances, easily uh, censor things, et cetera, et cetera. It's a really, really odd game. So uh, is it a fad? Is it going to be here? I think there's a role for inscriptions to play. Um, and uh, uh, but uh, but the current level of activity around uh, inscriptions seems a little little far fetched. So we'll see how it goes. I expect in a few months this is going to die down a little bit at least. Uh, inscriptions will be with us forever, uh, but um, but the uh, the value attached to them and the excitement around them uh, will have to necessarily fade. So we'll we'll see how that goes. But there's another thing that happened uh, recently that's really, really interesting. You know, people were waiting for the ETF. People were waiting for all sorts of sort of fundamental advancements in the space. And, uh, and then at some point, it seems like they said, screw it. We're going to start trading meme coins. And meme coins started, started uh, peaking everywhere. Now we have Koch um, as, uh, as one of the most sticky and uh, successful uh, meme coins in the Avalanche ecosystem. And, uh, and it's really, really interesting. It's been so fun to watch it. And, um, and, uh, and it's, I've, I've just really enjoyed it. Last night, I was with, uh, with a founder from, uh, from, uh, from, let's just say, another big project on Avalanche. And uh, we were talking. And I remember the meme I had seen maybe uh, more than a decade ago of a, of a Korean English teacher talking about Coca-Cola and uh, how it's uh, called... Uh, Kola in uh, Korean, uh, but it's called, uh, she pronounces it Kok. And um, so uh, so they made a meme out of that. I, I think it's the most hilarious meme I've seen in a long time. And now you know who found it and discovered it. And um, so um, so I want my meme credentials. I'm much of a memer, but every now and then I nail it. This is, I think I nailed this one. So um, so that meme is, is hilarious. Uh, Coke is great. The uh, This whole... Uh, um, this whole uh, you know meme coin thing is great. It is what it is. For the longest time, Avalanche was stuck behind or in between uh, two meme coins, Doge and Shiba Inu, and it's incredibly frustrating to uh, to you know these coins do nothing whatsoever, and Avalanche has so much utility, and uh, and it becomes really difficult to, uh, to to compete because what do you do right? So uh, if you have utility, you have value that people can sort of reason about. Um, but uh, but if you have no utility at all, then you can just be anywhere. And, and so these guys were ranked very very high, and it was kind of frustrating. And um, so uh, it's good to to to. Uh, I mean, it's it's important to realize that these things are here. Uh, they serve a function for people. Memes are memes, and they're really really fun. And uh, and I think this meme coin craze is really really exciting. So I'm enjoying it. I hope you guys are having fun with it. Don't lose money on it. I mean, these these coins really do nothing. So uh, it's really a momentum kind of a thing. It's really a fun kind of a thing. 
and uh, definitely don't uh, don't uh, uh, don't put more than you can lose into meme coins. Uh, but uh, as long as you're having fun, then you're having fun. Right? So um, let's see. Social Fi. This is another thing that happened. So at some point last fall, I realized that there was uh, something called the Stars Arena that was just amazing to use. And it's got all the right dynamics in it. So uh, you go in with your Twitter handle and... Um, and as soon as you, so they have, they create tokens for you, right? And there's an AMM that makes a market for the tokens that are implicitly created for you. And people who want to DM you have to get one of your tokens. And the tokens are not divisible in, in this universe. So, um, so it's really fun. So if you think that there is somebody who just joined who will have people who want to talk to him or her, um, then you want to buy their token while it's cheap so that the other people who come in to buy their token have to buy it from you when the token value goes up. And if you bet wrong, then you lose money, right? If you, if you buy uh, someone's token and that person's canceled, nobody wants to talk to them, then you're going to lose money. So it's kind of interesting. And um, uh, it's, so a lot of people are like, is social fi a complicated Ponzi? It is not, not as far as I can tell. Um, in a Ponzi, new people pay the old people. In, in whatever social fi is, Old, old people, old users who are already there, they are throwing money at the newcomers. And, um, and it's really a sight to see. So I was calling it an ISNAP or something. It's the opposite of a Ponzi. So, uh, so the dynamics were beautiful. The product market fit, I thought, was fantastic. And you have all seen terrible, terrible ways in which people try to jam tokens onto existing social platforms. You've all seen a very asinine chain spend many dozens of millions of dollars that they raise from their users on stupid announcements with Instagram, with whoever else, right? So, oh, you have Instagram's going to integrate NFTs on blah, blah, blah. Well, what happened to that? Instagram collected that money and uh, um, Instagram collected that money and then uh, then, uh, then stopped actually supporting NFTs on that platform because that platform doesn't really work well enough for them. So, and in fact, the and nobody was using them either because they're they're an afterthought. It's social. It was social first, and then tokens, you know, attached on at the end. Counter to that, Stars Arena was with tokens from the ground up, and you the usage of tokens was so natural that uh, it just made perfect sense. It was so smooth. You didn't realize what you were doing, but you were actually trading tokens on. On, uh, on Avalanche. So uh, the one unfortunate thing that happened with Stars Arena is that it got hacked and, uh, and there was a team handover. So, uh, so that, was, uh, that was terrible, terrible timing that killed all momentum. But there's now a new team. I'm really excited about what they're building. I can't wait to see what they come up with. And, uh, and, I, and the new team just gets Socialify. It's fundamentally different from social. And it is the kind of thing that Elon Musk would, would just love love to have in his in his wildest dreams and uh, and they, they, the whole thing was uh, was built up there so um hang on i got logged out of my uh of my um my uh my my slide deck here and let me just log back in and uh here we go so um let me tell you about oh the other things that i want to talk to you about so social fi it's here to stay there will be many other applications of the same idea, which is take something that's social, build uh, coins into it from the ground up, 
And I do hope and expect that you will do this. If you don't do it, there are people who follow this from, from uh, competing chains that copy me. They literally man-to-man -man cover every announcement or pre-announcement uh, that we have here, uh, and, uh, and they try to shadow us. So they will try to do it, and they'll do a crappy job, and they'll just you know, poop all over your good ideas. So I hope and wish and, and demand that you guys all build some good social fi application. Take any social app, add tokens into it in some coherent manner, in a transparent in a in a in a manner where the coins are not front and center, so that um, so that users end up uh, end up using doing some incentivized operation uh, that uh, that helps the social um, social goals there. Okay, um, another question. Uh, which regions are, are have the most excitement and adoption? I think that uh, this is that it, last year the the pendulum shifted away from the U.S. Normally, technological innovation is typically centered around the U.S., uh, but it shifted away last year. I think it's time for it to come back with the ETF announcement, with the change delivered by courts to some federal agencies and regulators. I think uh, the U.S. is beginning to see the light again that A, this is a country with laws, even agencies are bound by them, and B, this is a country that's built itself on technological innovation, and driving it out is antithesis to, to the American way to, to be. So we're going to see a lot of excitement back in the US, a lot more new projects coming in uh, into the crypto space. At the same time, there's a thriving scene in Southeast Asia, uh, there's a, a, a thriving scene uh, in, in that's about to come up uh, in Europe. So um, so I can tell this just based on sort of the nationalities of the people that I talk to who are founders building on top of Avalanche. And uh, and so so it's really fun to see. CFI in, uh, in 2024, is Binance going to be still on top? No. Um, Binance got delivered a very big blow. Um, and uh, so that will work itself through the system. I wish them the best. Um, and... Uh, they are, you know, they, they play a very big role in our ecosystem. Um, but it's also time for other um, other players to emerge and that bring who bring a much more secure technology. And on that front, I'm very proud of Enclave. If you haven't looked at it, take a look at Enclave. They have two major products. One of them is a spot trading market, exactly like Binance. Another one is a crossing uh, network, which is something that, is going to take a little bit of time to explain, so I'm not going to do it right now. But check it out. They allow you to buy and sell large amounts without moving the market. They allow you to buy and sell whatever you would like without revealing your positions. So if you're privacy-minded, you will want to use that system. And, uh, and so uh, so it's worth, uh, worth a look. And it uses technology that I brought into the space. And not that many people can say that. I faced a lot of opposition from academics, as well as skepticism from investors when we were first embarking down this road. So the, uh, the, the, the trusted execution environment technology that powers Enclave wasn't being used for any of these reasons. It still isn't being used. Enclave is the first of its kind, as far as I know. So, so it's here now, and uh, it's practical. We built it. It's operating. It's beautiful. So come check it out. There is not a single marketplace of any kind for any asset that provides the same guarantees of assurance, of privacy, of, of good execution that Enclave does. So parse that again. Wall Street doesn't have this. OK, 
Okay, you go to you know we go to Wall Street. Somebody's sniping on your orders. You know this from GameStop. You know this from the Robin Hood Citadel saga, right? So people are there jumping ahead of you day in day out. Well, not on Enclave. They cannot do that. You know from FTX that the the grubby hands of the the idiot who is LARPing as the owner of this of the platform can do all sorts of things at the regular exchange. Not on Enclave. Nobody can take your coins away. They can't repurpose them. They can't use them as collateral. They sure as hell cannot use your coins to prop up their own, you know, Sam coins. That's what they, that's what Sam did. So it's an amazing thing in the aftermath of FTX. I think Enclave should be getting more visibility. It's a great system that offers guarantees that nobody else can. Uh, real world assets are coming. I think we talked about this. I'm not going to belabor this point. It's very, very clear that uh, they're on their way in. What's the biggest impediment? It's you and me and everybody. That's the big impediment. If you guys go crazy again, if you guys get excited by whatever like things that Sam or Sam++, the next Sam is doing, if you guys get excited about, you know, if you guys demand, you know, some crap coin that you want to invest in that brings 300% returns over three days or whatnot, you know, people got used to some extreme insane returns so that you know that it didn't make sense anymore to provide a real world asset with a realistic yield so you know suppose you you tokenize real estate suppose you offer i don't know let's say 50% over 3 years that's a respectable yield that's a very good yield um, on for a for a for a security and suppose it's available to whatever it is the compliance requirements are uh, on chain so um, if you guys don't pick that and instead you, you decide to gamble on on some reflexive craziness, et cetera, you know, uh, that's uh, that's built up on chain that relies on essentially a momentum play, um, then, you know, then then those things will wither away and will be subject to all these, you know, pops and, you know, bubbles, bubbles and pops that uh, in the pumps and dumps that, that come from reflexive plays. Um, but regardless of what you guys do in the long term, real world assets are coming. And they will provide a far firmer foundation for a hell of a lot of other finance. One big problem is that all these coins are correlated and real world assets are not. That's going to be fun to see. So uh, what other things are happening? Um, so uh, what will happen to Avalanche? Avalanche will continue to be at the forefront of scaling. So uh, there is a couple of there are a couple of things that we need to do for single chain performance. We spent almost uh, all of our time working on the multi-chain communication problems, the multi-chain coordination problems, and um, and that's going really well. I'm happy with where we are on that front. I'm happy with how well we can scale horizontally. I want each and every individual chain to also achieve incredibly high uh, throughput numbers. Our finality is beyond compare. It's super fast, but I want our throughput to go up as well, and that's something we should work on. Privacy solutions are going to be important. Uh, institutions will demand it. And, um, and so I'm excited about what, uh, what might happen on that front as well. So uh, AI and crypto, I think we talked about this ad infinitum. But over the summer, something that did happen was we built our first AI-powered uh, blockchain prototype where you could program it in your native language. So you could say, hey, I want to... You know, I want to, you know, implement a landing platform. And then you describe in English what the landing platform is. You type it like you write an essay for your high school. And then, and then the, the, the validators all 
read what you wrote and carry out your instructions much the same way that an ex, um, that a trustee of an estate would do would do it. And so you know it's conflict free because it's a machine, and um, you know a whole bunch of things about it. But you also know that it's this AI technology has a bunch of limitations. Uh, we it's not production ready, and it, this thing can hallucinate and come up with all sorts of things. Maybe it'll take all your money and use it to uh, I don't know. Uh, fund uh, fund the next AI wars and you know robots with lasers uh, shooting out of their eyeballs or whatnot. So uh, it's a little early to uh, to turn this technology loose on the world, but uh, but we're at the forefront of it, and I'm really glad we're building this stuff. It's so much fun to play with. So um, let's see. Final final thing. Let me say a few words about longevity. Um, so I was in Istanbul for the Avalanche House. Uh, I think the uh, Ethereum folks had an event there as well. Vitalik was around. And um, we were having breakfast, and I was like, "Hey, Vitalik, you know, how was your uh, how was your time in Zuzulu? Right? This is that um, that uh, that town in uh, I think it's in Montenegro, where people get together and they talk about life extension technologies." And they told me a little bit about the cool stuff happening there, the applications of AI to CRISPR and so on. But uh, one of the um, uh, one of the uh, uh, one of the exciting uh, uh, things that he said, or one of the, one of the interesting questions I asked him was, "So Vitalik, what are my chances of of uh, seeing the year three thousand? And uh, and his uh, his estimate is forty percent. And uh, and I was like, "So what are what are the chances of you seeing through the year three thousand? And he he puts those chances at sixty percent, you know, because he's hopefully going to be living longer than I do uh, under normal circumstances and. Uh, and, uh, and we'll have uh, the benefit of slightly more technology, perhaps. So anyway, I want to leave you on that, on that point, that uh, there is a universe where we all get to live to the year 3000. It's a long, long time away. And, um, and when you think about the implications of this, it's immense. And, um, and so, uh, uh, so one thing, for example, is you never want to pick a fight with anyone because you're going to make enemies for the next millennium. Um, uh, and there are many, many other other uh, outtakes from this. Uh, we might all just end up, you know, in a in a in a container on a shelf in a hospital, maybe or like longevity center, uh, or we might just get digitized and and people only run us as long as we have coins to spend on uh, on on simulating our thought patterns or something. But uh, but it's a really fascinating world to think about, and uh, and I wish you all happy holidays and a long happy life for all of you and everyone you love. And I cannot wait to uh, to see what 2024 holds for Avalanche. I shared with you some of my uh, some of my ideas, and um, and I'm so so excited about what's to come. All right, so um, let me tell you a little bit uh, about uh, sort of uh, let's take the Q and A section. So uh, I gather that this whole uh, Q and A is spammed with meme coin tags. Yes, I know. I mentioned cock, and uh, it's uh, it's fun. It's funny, and uh, you know, it's just. And the, today's meme is hilarious. Uh, and there are many others. I know you want me to mention them, uh, and uh, uh, you know, I'll mention one of them. Avav. Everybody keeps spamming everything with Avav. So great. There's that. There's many others. Take a look uh, at these things if you want to play with these things. Uh, but keep in mind that they're meme coins. They, they, they're just memes, and uh, it's just a pure momentum play. So um, so uh, let's see. Here are some questions. What can I say about Avalanche 2.0? Not that much. Uh, we're working on it day and night. Um, 
and uh, it's really uh, it's really a, a rethinking of uh, of avalanche consensus in the light of all the lessons that we've learned over the last three years. And um, uh, so, is it any different from Avalanche 1.0? Not at its core, not in its principal way of function, but um, but we've added or we've come up with some amazing optimizations that bring time to finality down even lower, that bring CPU and resource consumption down drastically, and uh, and we also improve capacity. So really excited about what's to come. It's going to turn into an ACP, and uh, that's going to be the time. You know, I keep I always kept saying this when I was a professor. The unit of thought is a paper. So uh, so currently, what we have are just snippets of text and some rough ideas, and uh, we're working on on really ironing out all of the details and uh, coming up with a uh, uh, with a set of optimizations, a set of changes to Avalanche that drastically change. Uh, the performance characteristics of the system. And, uh, you know, uh, at the same time as introducing those changes might be a time to rethink some of the other things that, that we're offering, some of the other functionality that we offer on chain. So we might end up, um, you know, merging in a bunch of pre-compiles. We might end up merging in a bunch of the community-originated ACPs, et cetera, um, and, uh, and the entire community would benefit. So really, really excited about what's to come. I'm not going to give you any more detail than that. And, uh, and I feel like I'm letting you down because it's so exciting and there's so much to say, but it's a little too early and, uh, and I don't want other people stealing our thunder yet. So um, here is, uh, here is another, another question. Um, is it really true that you'll be appearing as an NPC in Off the Grid? Yes, it's really true. I'm an NPC. I'm, you know, I don't know what they're, they might cut me, right? Do you guys remember the big Lebowski flee from... Uh, uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers was supposed to be there, and um, he went and took all these like accent lessons to work on this German accent, and uh, and he just says, I think he just says ja or something. He just says like one word, and that was about it. Everything else ended up on the cutting floor. I might end up on the cutting floor, but I think I'm going to be in the in the game in some form or another, and uh, I'll be doing that. You know, do you know who I am? I was there when we invented the future thing, and. Um, and so, uh, and, and you can, as I said, you can you can go kill me all day long, and, and I'll respawn and, and hang out with you. So, um, now this person wants to take pictures of me uh, in game. That would be awesome. Uh, I might also, um, you know, be in that game universe, running around, stealing arms and stealing legs, and so on. It's really a fun game. Okay, next question: How do you plan to solve the high gas fees? So um, we had a whole hour-long conversation about this, and um, I uh, cannot go into all the details again because I'm exhausted. But let me tell you a little bit about the things that we're doing. So there is a range of options. Uh, we hear you on the high gas fees. Not the first time this has happened. Every time uh, we have a we've, we've established a track record of addressing these problems. So we plan to once again do what we always do, which is think scientifically put everything on the table and come up with a practical way of addressing this. Some easy things you might want to do might be terrible, terrible ideas. And um, for example, trying to ban ordinals and inscriptions is a bad idea. It opens you up to DOS attacks. And uh, earlier today, I told the story of this high school student um, who contacted me when Ethereum was going to do some censorship around the DAO hack. 
and pointed out that it was going to be a, a tremendous loss to, to the Ethereum community. So um, so you don't want to do silly things like, like that. So what can you do? Here are a couple of things you might want to do. Avalanche today uses the exact same hardware as it did three years ago. Our hardware requirements have not changed. We were quite decentralized three years ago. And if you were happy with that, then, uh, then you should be happy with increasing hardware requirements today. So, uh, so I think we can up that. And many other competing chains, they have hardware requirements that are sky high. Like you really have to spend a lot of money to be a validator for their chains. They don't have the, the software sophistication that we do. So they throw hardware at the problem. And we've refrained from doing that. That's an easy thing in our back pocket. We could improve the, uh, the hardware that runs our validators as a community and, uh, and end up handling far more inscriptions per second than we did in the past. So that's something we can do. Another thing we can do is build a subnet for inscriptions. Now, this is, it's, it may or may not work, right? It depends. It's a bit of a social experiment because there's something happening on the social plane as well. So what's happening on the social plane? People may or may not go to uh, that subnet. In fact, or people might migrate to that subnet, but other people might come into the C chain and, and load it up again. That can happen. But um, I suspect that subnet economics are so exciting and they provide so many opportunities to people who create their own sub own inscription chains uh, that, uh, that they will want to go there, that they will want to create their own subnets. In addition, that subnet, if built with the, with the Hyper-VM properly, uh, could easily end up handling many, many more transactions per second than, uh, than a general chain like the C-chain. Uh, it doesn't have to abide by the exact same you know, EVM constraints. It's just handling inscriptions. So you can have a specific VM that's uh, custom tailored for inscriptions. And so you can achieve far higher minting speeds. So uh, those are things, those, those two things are possible. Number three, we can change the capacity of each and every node. We can introduce a new database that is even faster, etc. We can we can account for um, for resource consumption in a multi-dimensional way. Right now, we combine it and collapse it all into just one gas payment, but we could actually divide it up, and the gas you pay for execution could be different from the gas you pay for accessing databases or the gas you pay for uh, making a change to state, etc. And if you do have that, then you have the ability to charge separately for inscriptions than for, let's say, an interaction with a lending service. So those are things we could do. Um, there can be, there's a myriad of other options. Oh, let me also say, we're also looking at things at the periphery. So what are wallets doing when uh, they do a fee estimation? Because bad dynamics there could lead to ratcheting up of fees. And we saw that with Bitcoin in the early days of, of the fee market. Um, I don't think our fee estimators are bad. I don't think we have any any bad code, but uh, but I wonder. I don't know if we have the most optimal code. So it's something that's worth a look, and that's something that uh, that I know some people are looking at. So um, uh, so there are many other things that have been mentioned. I think this is the the first sort of five or six off the top of my head, and uh, we're looking at applying all of these. Um, remember it as a meta lesson. We always bring the best of science to blockchains. And we don't do superficial stuff. This inscription game can turn into a game of cat and mouse. And uh, the mouse is always a little bit more nimble. It can change on a dime. Uh, and we cannot roll out 
uh, just changes to the blockchain day in day out. That's just too too ridiculous. It will um, it will exhaust our community. It's not good. It's not secure, etc. So uh, so we don't want to get into a game of superficial patches. Don't expect that from Avalanche. That's not what we do. That's not our value proposition. Um, we have chosen the the EVM model to operate in. That comes with with certain restrictions. Oh, we're looking at changing some of those restrictions. We're looking at retaining less space or less uh, state from uh, from inscriptions. So um, uh, so we've chosen what we chose, and uh, and we will always operate. We'll always bring you the best of science, and we will always do those things that fundamentally address the problem at its core. That's I think the promise I can give you. And uh, so bear with us in the short term. There's a lot of fun to be had on chain. I know that during times when these inscriptions are being minted, the fees go sky high and it's annoying as heck. I know. And I hear you. And we're trying to do our best to address it. So uh, we have a track record of addressing these things. So stick with us uh, and, and give us some, some time to for the devs to dev. Okay. Uh, what else? Um, so uh, will there be permissionless subnets for validators? Of yes, and far more. There is going to be a validator marketplace that's forming on Avalanche, and I cannot wait to see this happen. So um, this validator marketplace is something that will allow people to say, hey, I'd like to validate for this chain, that chain, and this other chain, but not this, these others. And, um, and by doing so, you can pick and choose which communities you're a part of, which reward systems you're a member of, your validator is a member of. And, um, and, uh, and then, of course, there's like a whole bunch of things that people can do to add security to subnets. So you can start a subnet with a, with a very small amount of stake on it, and then other people can, can pledge their AVAX or their, their whatever gas coin is, is for that subnet to add security to that subnet. So, yes, there is going to be an emerging marketplace. There's so much more to say about this. I'm super excited. And... Um, and uh, can't wait to uh, to uh, uh, to see that happen. Here's a question: What books have you enjoyed lately? That's such a great question. And um, and so uh, uh, so I told you I think what I went through over the summer has not been a time of reading. Um, has been a time of maybe introspection. Has been a time of uh, sort of digesting or, or 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 coping or accepting what's what's what has happened. But um, but I did look at a couple of books. Uh, most recently, I've been I've been skimming, if you would. I can't say I've been reading it; it's hard to read. But I've been I've been reading haphazardly through uh, Ray Dalio's Principles, and um, it's been interesting. I got turned on to it by that New York Times expose of Ray Dalio's operation. It was interesting. I don't know what to think about it, um, but but Principles is really interesting, and it's it's a good good roadmap for the world we live in right now, where governments might have liquidity crunches. And uh, and might do all sorts of uh, all sorts of interesting things uh, that that they normally don't do. So uh, it's I, I find it very very relevant and worth a look. It's a bit it's a bit long winded at times, uh, but uh, but you know it's it's fun to read if you want to look at it. The other thing I've been doing is I've got a crap ton of electronics here. Like it's just if I just sort of you know there's a whole bunch of oh hang on uh, there's a whole bunch of devices here. Here is like a little device that I built recently. I've been building a bunch of electronics, and um, uh, sort of my go-to uh, when I'm uh, when I'm sort of feeling down or what have you is, is building things. And um, I've been building some hardware in my spare time, so it's been fun. And um, we'll see. I haven't attached any of them to any critical functions of the house, 
But if you hear about a ginormous uh, gas explosion or whatever, then you know that uh, my uh, my experiment with the uh, with the boiler was not successful. Um, we'll see how it pans out. I'll, I'll get I'll get a professional to look at it once I'm done with it. So um, I'm going to now stop. I'm tired, but uh, it's been so fun chatting with you again. It's great to be back in the saddle, so to speak. We have a new model, a new uh, format, a new title, etc. And it's going to be more podcast friendly, so you don't have to look at my uh, my picture. You can download the the audio and listen to it during your commute, etc. And, uh, and I'll try to keep the pace like this. I like the slightly faster pace that we tried today, and um, uh, and I'll bring in far more people, and uh, we'll discuss topical things. I think I cleared the the plate from the last couple months and touched upon just about everything, and. Um, and I hope I, uh, I did what I promised to do, which is to profess, that is to take a stand on how things will be. And uh, uh, so hold me to it. Let's talk again a year from now. Let's see how well these predictions hold. And uh, uh, let's see where we end up. And my main prediction, of course, is that uh, we in the Avalanche community will continue to have fun. Um, it's been such a fun ride. Um, yeah, there have been downtimes, you know, uh, there have been, uh, times when, you know, like the fee spikes, not, not a pleasant time. Uh, but in general, it's been so fun to see the community grow, the monthly active users, the daily active users, uh, the number of people with, with balance, with non-zero balances, There's the excitement that, that came in with all of these things that, that flourished on Avalanche, social fine, the arena, meme coin, uh, the, 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 the recent meme coin activity, uh, and, and everything else that's happening. Uh, has been just fantastic. And uh, so I'm excited uh, for the year to come. Happy holidays to you all and see you on chain.